0: I invite you to hear these words with me from the Gospel of Luke. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give it to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. May God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of the word. Let us pray. O Lord, as we come to this time of hearing your preached word, we pray that you give us eyes to see anew, ears to hear afresh, a heart to be warmed, and a spirit to be transformed, so that we may not leave this place ever the same. Amen. Within the Christian tradition, we understand this concept called salvation, using different terminology depending on how we understand it, to not create an entire sermon about salvation. In short, for some, the traditional approach continues to shape and form their spiritual walk, making note of such common phrases as being washed in the blood or being made white as snow. Some lines that we find in many of our hymns that we sing on Sunday mornings. And over the years, perspectives have developed that reflect cultural and ethnic diversity and how they understand the Christian faith. Yet despite all of these differences, one truth remains the same no matter how you approach it. We who profess Christ crucified, we have received the gift of salvation. And in our text this morning, Jesus acknowledges that salvation can come to any and all who seek out Jesus, who Jesus was and who Jesus is in their lives. And so for the next few moments, let us explore Zacchaeus and his moment of salvation. As we enter into our text, Jesus and the disciples are on the road coming to this place called Jericho, the once mighty fortress town and now a bustling Roman town adorned by Herodian beauty. And shortly thereafter, we are introduced to the man of the hour, Zacchaeus. The text describes him as chief tax collector. So I want you to think about the tax collector in the parable from last week and magnify the ire and hatred and disdain that he felt from his fellow Jew by about 10 or 20 million, give or take and so as a chief tax collector his wealth coming from wanting to make a profit would have certainly made him stand out and stand apart from others in society and even more important than his wealth a chief tax collector was seen often as corrupt and morally lacking or morally short if you will and as we've heard over recent weeks the rich in the Gospel of Luke don't really feel too good once Jesus starts to speak. But the beginning of Jesus and Zacchaeus' interaction is not normal to anything that we've spoken about over the past few weeks. Zacchaeus is trying to see Jesus, but the crowd is too great. You can imagine Zacchaeus with a soft, excuse me, excuse me. As he tries to squeeze through the people, attempting a couple of times with soft, excuse me, excuse me, before he takes a quick break and attempts again. The crowds are so large that he realizes he might not get the chance to see Jesus here in this place, despite the grandeur and weight of his position in society, or perhaps because of it. The crowd keeps him back. So he comes up with another idea. Maybe I can't see him now, but I know the way that he's going to be traveling and I know where he will be. So maybe I can see him then. He remembers that there is a sycamore tree along the way and standing about 30 feet high, complete with large low hanging branches, it was a perfect vantage point for Zacchaeus to finally see Jesus. And so we have this image that we're all familiar with from our Sunday school lessons over the years. This short man, Zacchaeus, running and sitting in this tall sycamore tree. But I wanna propose this question, question that I've wrestled with since I first heard it in a sermon years ago. Was Zacchaeus the one that was short in height? was it Jesus? Was Zacchaeus short in height as we have all learned since we were younger or was he short in moral standing because of his profession and his character? I understand I may have completely destroyed all of our Sunday school memories with this question and so I apologize in advance but it's a thought we don't really think about Jesus being short whatever that may look like or they may have both been normal height but a question to ponder and I invite you to share next week as you think about this question was Zacchaeus actually short or was it Jesus so now that I've officially destroyed Sunday school lessons of many, many decades have built up, we find Zacchaeus waiting in the tree. And as Zacchaeus waits, Jesus and the crowd slowly move through the town. And as Jesus draws near to the sycamore tree, Zacchaeus finally sees him. But more importantly, Jesus sees Zacchaeus. And it is when Jesus sees Zacchaeus in verse 5 that he looks up and calls to the perch tax collector, Hey, Zacchaeus, what are you doing up there? Now it was at this point where I'm sure Zacchaeus was shocked and even startled a bit as he slowly made his way down the tree. And the questions in his mind began swirling. How does Jesus know my name? How does he know who I am? Did someone in the crowd ID me and told Jesus about me before he called out to me? And why does he want me to come down immediately? And of course, whenever Jesus calls someone, there are those looking on with questions about the call. We find the crowd's reaction in response to what has just transpired. And as they were caught up in their own feelings, their disdain joined together in one voice. Grumbling and mumblings from the crowd began to intensify. Ooh, look at Jesus, staying in the home of a sinner. What kind of teacher would do that? Who does Jesus think he is? Doesn't he know who Zacchaeus is? I thought we told him exactly who he was. Aren't all of us more worthy to host Jesus for Jesus to say at our homes tonight? Perhaps they were all absent from the crowd that Jesus taught in last week's text about how we we're all sinners and in need of divine mercy and justification. But nevertheless, despite the grumbles from the masses, Zacchaeus comes down the tree and gladly accepts Jesus' offer to come to his home. But They don't even reach the house. For it's right where he stands that Zacchaeus begins his transformation. After hearing all the grumbles from the crowds, Zacchaeus tells Jesus that he wants to be a changed man. Look! He has heard the teachings and the stories that Jesus has spoken and his heart has been strangely warmed in their hearing. He has felt his spirit tugged at, something telling him to be transformed. There's a reason why Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And so as an open declaration to both Jesus and the entire crowd, he declares that he will take half of his profits and give them to the poor. No longer will he live off the whole of his excess and spending lavishly, but he is doing the religious duty of giving to the least among him. And his giving is not only exclusive to the poor, but also to those who are poor because of his shrewdness and his corrupt actions. Zacchaeus knows that he was corrupt. He knows that he has cheated many individuals out of their hard-earned money by over-taxation. And so in response to his own cheating, he tells Jesus and the onlookers in the crowd that he will not just pay back what was owed, but he would pay back four times as much per person now that's paying it forward if I've ever seen it the ending of our text this morning comes to us in the last two verses where Jesus responds to the words of transformation from Zacchaeus however in contrast to the other characters we have heard from in recent weeks Jesus knows and hears the validity in the tax collectors words He knows somehow that he is not just merely providing lip service to his guests as a way to come off and present himself a certain way, but rather Jesus hears the sincerity and humility that comes from a truly transformed heart. Jesus tells Zacchaeus that salvation has come to not just him, but his entire household. Because they are all directly impacted by his change of heart. They too are affected by the giving of half of his possessions. So shouldn't they also be participants and recipients in the transformation of their hearts as well? So what are we to take from these words? About a man who was lost, but now found. So we mentioned last week, stewardship is a basic attitude that governs how we act towards what we own, as well as the things for which we are responsible. But as we heard this morning in the words of Zacchaeus, this attitude also looks at how we are to act our possessions and how this attitude also presents itself with what we do with our possessions. When we give do we give wanting to have all eyes on us or do we give so that all eyes can be shifted towards the one who gives to us? Yes Zacchaeus made this declaration to the crowd but it was also to Jesus. When we give in our own giving, whether to charities or organizations or in our tithes, do we do it out of obligation to care for one another, to care for those who are in need? Or is our giving out of an obligation to simply complete a checklist year by year? I believe that in our text this morning, it was the declaration of giving that came before the moment of salvation. And so as we give, we are saved. And as we are saved, we are called to give. The circle continues. And we are to give not just to the poor or to those in need, but even when we have robbed those by not paying in full, we are to give and pay it forward. And so, as we think about this giving and paying it forward, we transition our hearts and minds to the table, where we, remember, where we remember and are mindful what Jesus gave and the attitude Jesus had when interacting with both saint and sinner, inviting both to follow him we are reminded that it was another place marked by a tree where Jesus gave his full self so that in death and resurrection, we could experience the fullness of God's divine love paid in full and paid forward. And it is through the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Christ, where we are united with all of the saints both resting and gathered at the table and many tables of cross creation this morning because we are all beloved children of God, once lost, but now found. And so may we welcome Jesus into our homes, may we welcome Jesus into our lives, and most importantly, welcome Jesus into our hearts. And may we, as the children of Abraham, go forth in new life, remembering that we too have found salvation in our own house. Let us pray. O Lord, we give you thanks and praise for this day and the words that you would have us to hear. As we gather around the table and go forth from it, May you continue to shape us, knowing that we are saved and called to go forth in the salvation that you have granted and blessed us with. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.